Welcome to Building the Bridge, connecting parents and educators around online learning. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Oliver, Chief Learning Officer for Edison Learning. Each week, this podcast will present targeted, practical strategies for both teachers and parents to ensure we are all on the same page in successfully navigating the digital education world together. Thanks for joining me on this journey. And now, please enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Building the Bridge. For the second straight interview, I'm pleased to have two guests joining me to share their expertise on a fascinating topic. Today, I'm joined by Jess Kurtz and Justin Grimes, each of whom is an education specialist for Soundtrap at Spotify. Prior to joining the Soundtrap team, Jess was an educator in a variety of roles in Chicago schools, spending time as a teacher and former administrator. Jostin was an elementary school teacher in Atlanta and a program manager for STEM to the future, among other roles. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with Soundtrap's role in bringing music and podcasting to classrooms. Today, I'm excited to chat with Jess and Jostin about podcasting and how to unleash students' creativity in the blended classroom. Thank you both for joining me. What are some of the classes or subject areas in which podcasting is being implemented in classrooms? Great question, Wendy. I think when you think about podcasting, um, it's in all subjects. So whether it's from social studies, um, we've seen people do podcasts in English language arts, world language, uh, journalism, and even science as well. So, you know, when you think about podcasting, sometimes people just think that it can only be done in an English class um, or a language class. But what we've learned over this past year is that so many teachers are finding creative ways to implement podcasting into their different subject areas. Jess, can you give an example of a podcast that you've seen that's replacing traditional activities or maybe even enhancing a teacher's lessons? Sure, happy to. As Justin mentioned, I think it's pretty cool when we think about the vision of podcasting, because really all it is is an audio recording, and it can sort of build and become um, many different things. And so when we think about project-based learning and we think about student product and where and how we want them to think critically about their own work and that reflection process, I think we've seen it like he mentioned, across so many different subjects. But one that's been really fun for me to discover lately is actually um, students dissecting their uh, music making. So sort of talking about and having that reflective space to then design a podcast and talk about how they've grown and how they've become the musician that they are. So that's something, of course, that's really timely at the end of a school year, thinking back and reflecting on projects that they've made throughout the year and how they've progressed. But I really love that idea to to sort of demystify the creativity and the process that lives behind the scenes. We all know musicians work so hard to build and work towards either a final performance or a final concert, something like that. But to have someone talk you through it and really understand how they grew through through that process, that's been really fun to learn about in the last few weeks. I love that you talked about students growing and learning more about themselves. As really hands-on digital learning, podcasts help students develop some important 21st century skills. What are some of those key skills? Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest skills that we've seen is the critical thinking piece, Um, because now students are able to, with podcasting, um, you have to figure out what exactly, you know, are you going to be talking about? Um, You have to figure out who your audience is, you know, what sounds do you want to incorporate? Really, how do you want to structure a podcast from beginning to end, 
um, to make it very cohesive. So I think I see critical thinking is a big piece. Um, I also think computer literacy um, is another huge piece. Um, as we've seen last year, everyone has had to really transition to learn at home. And I think this is a skill that this generation of students are going to have that the generation before did not have at this period, um, because now they were having to adopt to the new tools that were being placed in front of them, um, but also, you know, having to learn new features that are within each of these tools, like on the fly, rather than, you know, sitting in class and going through like, you know, step one through 10 of how to do something, having to really rely on videos and other digital resources to help them learn. So those are the two things that I see, critical uh, thinking and that computer literacy skills. You mentioned over the last year, students have transitioned to learning from home. I'm curious to know if you've seen growth in the adoption of podcasts and education, or if you've offered any additional resources to teachers and parents, uh, if you have seen that growth. Yeah, that's a great one too. Um, just because I know as of recently, um, at the top of the year, we really focused on like social emotional learning and figuring out that connection between how can we incorporate SEL, the SEL framework in connection to Soundtrap. And so in meeting with teachers and, you know, having different webinars and sessions, we've seen that teachers have been very happy with their students' growth. Um, for a lot of students that were introverted, giving them a platform like Soundtrap has allowed those students to share their stories and to share new things that they may not have shared when they were in class or around others. Also, I've heard from teachers where they were really surprised that, you know, certain students were able to produce what they did because, you know, I guess in the traditional classroom, um, they were not contributing as much, but having something that as creative um, and collaborative like Soundtrap, they're seeing some of their students really like grow and shine. So it always makes me happy to hear this, especially thinking about, you know, students being at home and, you know, really dealing with a lot of a lot of other issues that are outside of the classroom. But they still find time to put their all into the projects and the assignments that they were working on. I'm so glad that you mentioned SEL because that's definitely a topic that we talk about on the podcast. And I don't know about, I would have thought about how students could express themselves and could really touch on that social emotional learning through podcasts. Are there any innovative or specific projects that you've seen schools achieve in the remote setting? I'll answer that one. And I know, I know Jess has probably seen some great ones as well. Actually, from our team, our own team, we've done, one of our teammates did in like an SEL breathing exercise. So um, incorporating some of the loops um, from our loops library and allowing students to kind of like breathe in for four, hold their breath for seven and let out for eight. And so um, this is a really great one and really quick one that you could do at the beginning of the day or the end of the week, thinking about ways to decompress and really allow students to center themselves. Um, I think another really great one that I have seen has been where a teacher gave a prompt around like what, what is making you like happy um, right now. So allowing students to really reflect on, although things may not be as great, you know, considering the quarantine and COVID, um, what is making you happy right in this moment? So giving them an opportunity to really just like flush out all of their ideas within one track. So those are two things that I've seen that I really appreciate it. I can add to that, Justin. I, I really think um, we've seen some sort of incredible 
implementations, but also just adaptations. I think teachers have been really thoughtful about how to create a space that feels safe and inviting and welcoming, but whether that's in hybrid settings or virtual settings or all in person, it's something that I know teachers work incredibly hard at always um, and, and have for, for decades <laughs> prior to this year. So this big shift has been an interesting way to see teachers sort of flex those adaptive muscles. And I think one thing that I've really enjoyed seeing is how teachers integrate the verbal experience, but also the feedback process in the studio. So when I think about SEL, I think about it in two ways. I think about the SEL framework and the way in which students have that sort of self-awareness, but also then that external understanding of the world around them. And so I've seen teachers do great work where, you know, the first prompt in the studio before they actually record a podcast or a project is they have to record how they're feeling. They just need to talk through their feelings and explain their state of mind going into the project, because of course that builds context for the teacher, but it also helps the student realize and understand where they are emotionally and, and in their headspace before making something creative. And then afterwards, that post-production side of, of saying, okay, I've made my podcast, I'm sending it back to my teacher, or I'm inviting classmates to join my project and give me feedback. And when you do that, of course, you're inviting in vulnerability and space to share a work that you've created with, with others and you don't know how it might resonate. So also building in that vulnerability, but then creating those safe stems or sort of those prompts that students can use for giving really thoughtful critical and positive feedback has been something I've really enjoyed celebrating with educators this year. Just seeing those student dialogues and those interactions and those cycles evolve has been pretty, pretty amazing. You're listening to Building the Bridge presented by Edison Learning. Stay tuned for more online learning tips and strategies. I want to dig a little bit deeper. We talk a lot about online and blended learning on this podcast. And really, the goal is to create a bridge of communication between parents and teachers. Are there different podcasting benefits that stand out for students of different age groups? In other words, are there some different or unique benefits for younger students versus older ones? I think the really beauty, the beautiful thing about working at Soundtrap and specifically in our role is that we get a chance to see podcasting done as young as, let's say, first grade all the way until 12th grade. And so depending on where we're located, um, I know I support the West Coast and Jess does the East Coast, we kind of see a different variety of grades. So I think when you think about the younger students, so I'm thinking about first through fifth grade, a lot of teachers really just want their students to have fun and you know mess around like with the sounds. So there may not be as much content coming from actual speaking. I'm getting them to actually being able to manipulate the different sounds that are in there, even changing their voice, because some students don't like to hear the sound of their voice. So we have a feature in within the studio that you can make your voice sound like a robot or an alien or a baby. So students at that age really get a kick out of that um, because they also become another character. Um, It's almost as if you're reading a book to them and you're trying to kind of like transport them into another world. And so with podcasting for that age group, they're becoming this character and being able to share. Um, I think when you think about middle school, so like that sixth to eighth grade uh, range, it's, you know, about the sounds that are incorporated, but now it's about the structure. So you're thinking about, okay, what makes um, a good intro? What is something that, you know, will uh, kind of, 
seen as though like a problem. How can we figure out a solution? Um, and how can we wrap it up to make it you know, packaged really well? Um, and then you go to high school where it's the ninth through 12th grade. And this is when you get into, I call it like the, um, like the meat of podcasting because all the things that are incorporated from that first to eighth grade are just like amped up. So we high school students, they wanna incorporate sounds. High school students, they wanna incorporate collaboration. Um, but most importantly, this is when they start to ask questions, very critical questions, um, trying to get an answer. Um, so whether it's, um, you know, someone talking about the political landscape, I've seen a school district do something around the election. Um, I've seen a school district do something around different social justice topics. So really um, taking the skills that they're actually learning in their classroom and the theory behind it and applying it to the podcast. Um, so like I said, you see, you see different features and different um, adaptations at different levels, um, but I really love to see the growth over those years with the students that I work with. Are there professional development resources or training resources that teachers can access so they can guide students through those different levels and those growth opportunities? Yes, so we actually have a website, we have a portal, an EDU portal, where we have an array of lesson plans, we have uh, different rubrics that they can look at, we have teacher snapshots, um, which are really quick uh, blurbs of lessons or, and ways in which teachers have used Soundtrap um, in different subjects. Um, and we also have our certified educator course, where you can take a level one through three, whether it's podcasting or music making, and you can you know, go through a series of questions that will ask you a quiz after each section. And then at the end, get a certificate. And I know sometimes a lot of school districts now, since we have the certificate, um, they are allowing it to count for some PD credits. So those are some uh, different ways in which you can go in and look at resources that we have. I'll add to that, Justin, because the library keeps growing and it's so cool to sort of see it evolve. Just two other things that, that came to mind that I think could be fun to explore. We do have a newer event called the Soundtrap Summit. So that's cultivating amazing speakers and practitioners, sort of having these armchair conversations about larger topics and where and how podcasting might fit in. So we had one a few months back where we had a, a former teacher talk about the way in which you could implement and add drama and public speaking skill sets into a podcast. And so how to integrate those sort of um, activities within your day-to-day -day classroom and your day-to-day -day work. And so the topics are far and wide between music and podcasting, but the other space, I think, um, where we've seen sort of the amazing resources explode as our as our Soundtrap community. Teachers have always been incredible purveyors of great resources and also to support one another, sort of offering that lending hand and sort of sharing things along the way. So we certainly have formal things that we provide, like Jocelyn mentioned, and they are amazing. And so the next thing I would say is just adding to that um, is to join our Soundtrap community on either Facebook or we have it on our site where you can come in and really um, dive deep with educators from all over the world. So you might have a connection, a new connection with someone in England or someone from Brazil or someone over in Hong Kong. It's really amazing to sort of get that global professional community. So what if my child's school isn't participating in podcasting currently? As a parent, do I still have access to those resources? Or is there a portal where I can hop in and do this with my child? Or maybe I'm a homeschool parent. This sounds really awesome. And I know a lot of kids would enjoy this. 
Yeah, even um, within our portal, we have like parent resources, like letters just showing like what Soundtrap is. Um, I think the best way to go about it also is that, you know, course that we mentioned and also on our YouTube page. Um, our YouTube page does an excellent job at showing the different features. So if you wanted to learn how to do a collaboration, we have a YouTube video that shows that. If you want to learn how to add in loops or, you know, add in different voice effects, there are videos that takes you know, anyone through the steps on how to do that. Um, and then also, you know, through that portal as well, if, if you're a homeschool teacher and you want to see different lessons, you can access those as well. Um, and I think another great way um, to, for not only teachers, but parents as well to see how Soundtrap is being used, we just started um, a learning event called Heart to Heart. And so this is an opportunity for educators from all over to come together in this one session. Um, it's usually about an hour and you're just sharing the projects. You're just sharing what you've done, you're sharing lessons and you're hearing from what people um, in California are doing. You're hearing what people in London are doing. Um, and it's just really beautiful to see how creativity and collaboration is being shared across the world. I have to ask as we close out, personally, what projects have you seen that you love the most? Or what is it that you love the most about podcasting and education? The project that I've seen recently that had to do with like podcasting would have to be a school district um, on the West Coast um, in San Francisco. They did a whole unit around like social justice. So students got an opportunity to pick a topic, uh, whether it be women's rights, LGBTQ rights, um, and just interview people within their family or community um, or even within their class as well. And so a, a teacher actually invited me in to just a listening session. And when I tell you, Wendy, I was blown away just to hear the, the rawness and how students were able to share exactly what they were seeing, um, you know, outside of their walls um, in their homes. And so it just it was really powerful because that's the beauty of like storytelling. That's what we want students to be able to do, to share the the rawness and what they're seeing and being able to you know almost bring us into like their living room per se and and sharing what you know they that what they are experiencing so that's probably one of my favorite ones that i've seen uh, so far i think it's hard to pick a favorite i don't know if i could come up with a favorite specific project but one thing i've noticed is a consistent and a common thread through all the projects that that bring me the most joy is when I think about the process, oftentimes I know a lot of things that students create in school might be a single specific assignment or a single specific uh, tool or something that they're using in isolation and where I've seen and really felt the most joy from some of the projects and the teacher testimonials that they've shared with us is when they leave it open-ended as sort of this continuum. Um, so I love the idea of, of wabi-sabi and sort of this idea of perfection and imperfection. Um, so this idea that it's always an evolving process that students can come back to the studio, you know, your project's never technically closed. Um, you can publish and then do a second edition and come back and, and have it evolve. Um, for me, that's always something I think that is an important way of teaching that that nothing is ever quite necessarily finished and that you can always make it better. And so, yeah, I, I don't think I could land on a specific product or a specific podcast that students have made that 
that I could isolate. But when I talk about and see educators across different districts and content areas, I think the most successful podcasts have that in mind, have that growth mindset, sort of that core understanding that this is creative. And because it's creative, it's going to continue to grow and evolve. Thank you again to Justin and Jess for joining the show. Listeners, if you've been enjoying Building the Bridge, we hope you'll subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And make sure to check out recent episodes on digital ethics, social emotional learning, and social media. Thanks for listening to this episode of Building the Bridge. I hope today's insights and strategies will prove valuable as you support great online learning this week. Be sure to visit edisonlearning.com for many more resources to support high quality 21st century learning including a comprehensive suite of more than 150 online courses for grades 6 through 12 and much, much more. Join me again next week for more tips to connect parents and educators around best practices for online learning.